Hello everybody, this is Jules and welcome back to So This Is Love. I would like to start by thanking each and every one of you for listening to this podcast. So This Is Love was rated Kenya's number one podcast by Spotify and this was made possible by you. To my guests who have so openly shared their stories of healing, reflection and triumph, thank you so much for getting us to where we are. Do ensure to read the show notes of this episode to get details on how you can support this podcast. Remember, you can find us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't already, do subscribe as it does help us reach more people. So This Is Love is a space where people can relate to one another, learn from one another and find a sense of belonging. Enjoy! Coming up on So This Is Love. I remember life being so hard. We used to buy water and then we are getting visitors like all the time. All the time we'd get visitors and then they'd be like, And then it was, it was like tiring to keep on explaining. But obviously we can't tell them that our dad has an alcohol problem to a point he cannot pay bills. So we just used to lie, you know, or something like that, you know. Welcome to So This Is Love, a podcast about love, the loss of love, heartbreak, and the meeting of self. We share stories on how the relationships we once had teach us about who we are and define who we become. And maybe through these stories, we can answer that age-old question. Is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? So, this is love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of So This Is Love. Today, I am joined by Grace, not her real name, and she will be telling us about a very defining relationship in her life with a man who was always in her life, her father, who we are calling Will. This is a story of Will and Grace. As you know, on this podcast, we use pseudonyms. So Will is not his real name. Grace is not her real name. But Grace decided to choose Will and Grace because she's told me that she's a huge fan of sitcoms. And as we all know, Will and Grace is one of those very, very popular top sitcoms. Grace is quite young, so I'm very surprised that she knows Will and Grace. (laughs) But I guess the millennials are leaving their stamp. The reason I decided to take this story on for So This Is Love is because of the theme that we'll be discussing today, which is alcoholism. An issue that is quite, quite prevalent in Kenyan society. Um, It's an issue that has been growing steadily in different, different, different communities across the country. Um, I was even looking at the numbers um, in Akada some time back and something around like almost half of all alcohol consumers, adult alcohol consumers in Kenya have a dependency or alcoholism issue. And that's quite staggering. I don't know why that is. We've tended to always lean to alcohol in many situations or what can I say occasions in our lives you know so it's part and parcel in in almost day-to-day life but for some people we don't know why some people say it's a gene some people say it's upbringing some people say it's stress and trauma there's just some people for them the alcohol just grips them you know you have people who drink but they never become alcoholics and you have people who have we have people who, from the time they start drinking, you can tell this one will have an issue, you know. 
So, Grace, thank you so much for agreeing to come to this podcast. And she's online. Thank you. Very excited to have you here and I can't wait to hear about what you're going to share today. I'm sure somebody out there will be able to relate to it and maybe it'll help them even feel, um, you know, not alone because the biggest thing about this podcast is that feeling of, oh, somebody else is also going through this, you know, feeling like you're not the only one and I can get to the other side of this. So this is obviously a very different format. Most of the stories we have on So This Is Love are romantic, but this is father-daughter and how the breakdown of this relationship has contributed to who you are today. So maybe you can take us back to for as far as you can remember who was Will, or let's call him Dad. Who was Dad to you? What are some of the earliest memories you have of him um, from when you were a little girl? Okay. Thank you, Jules, for having me. You look so good today. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Okay. So uh, so do you. Thank you. Today, I'm yeah, happy to share my story to your audience. I hope it resonates with one or two people. I'm talking about Dad today. He is... An amazing person, although he has some flaws. Uh, we are talking about his alcoholism, which is a family disease, you know, because it affects everyone. Mm. So growing up, I had a really good childhood. We lived in Eastlands, you know, the children there always playing. I had a good relationship with my parents at the time. My dad was the kawaida dad, you know, get up early, go to work. The kids come from school. We sleep, we don't see him. When we'd question my mom, like, hey, we've not seen dad in a week or the five days of school, why is he? And then it's like, Najwana kujanga, nenda kuna marafikizake jioni, so, but untambona weekend. So that's how pretty much we grew up. Didn't think much of it at the time. We're just thinking our dad is having a good time. Or yeah. he wouldn't be home or he'd be asleep when you guys are up? No, we'd come from school, eat, do our homework, prepare, and then we sleep. He's not at home. After work, he'd hang out with his friends or something. Yeah, just to enjoy himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in the morning? In the morning, he leaves early. Oh, he'd still leave early? Yeah. And he, he would come late? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd leave pretty early. So when we prepare for school, he's not there. Mommy's there taking us to school, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, pretty much that was how we lived our day-to-day life. I have one sister I love very much. So that was pretty much our life. So my fondest memory of my dad... I can say is at the time I turned 10, uh, my sister and I, our birthdays are two days apart. So I remember my dad being so excited. I think he had closed a deal or something at work. So he threw this big party for my sister and I, and we were so, so excited. All our friends were there, you know, to look at Neshi, So like, Oneita and everything. And then he invited his friends and mom's friends and our family members. I can remember being so, so happy on that day. So I'd say that is like the one memory I can carry to heart to this day. Everyone being jovial, laughing, singing happy birthday, the gifts. Oh my God. It's just <laughs> so nice. It was so nice. And dad was excited for us. You could see, he, you know, he calls us mom because I'm named after his mom. So call us mom. I'm so proud of you for this far that you've come, blah, blah, blah. So it was nice. How I can describe my dad is he was a hardworking man. He was a provider. He was dependable for a fact. He stood on business. He was ambitious. Although he had some flaws, everyone does. He was, I can say he was bad-tempered. He was strict. Sometimes he'd come late and then he'd be agitated on like the smallest things. 
he'd be like mbonai kiti iko hapa nani alitoa hapa and then he'd just get mad and then i remember this this one time he was even physically abusive to my mom and when i stepped in to you know like dad mbona unafanya hivyo this is wrong he loved me as well so but i didn't think much of it at the time so my mom told me when at ulale and then we'll talk this out but at the time that's what i thought that that's the role of a parent you know so i was just like that's his job is being a dad like the chapa okay kosea or anything this is what i remember when i was in form 3 you know the chiki chiki stage i got a suspension from school and my mom was like ah ini tabia tuza watui bro sifanya hivi tena i hope you've learned your lesson da 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 so my mom goes to work right and then my dad when left with him i don't know how the situation affected him because it wasn't that deep to be honest but i think he had kosanad namtu konje so he was drunk i remember and then i wasn't like performing my best at the time so i remember him being so angry i remember on this day i i just wished that die to be honest because was so angry he really beat me up he beat me up so so bad we literally fought a physical fight a form three girl with a grown ass man <laughs> we fought really badly and it got to a point you know sanile he's stronger than me so nile tunapigana nikitoroka i went to the kitchen and then i remember him taking this knife and i remember thinking we shall me studyangu mesha ninini but he took the knife and he cut my hair using the knife and then he was like eh hey, ndio punishment yako ndio jwe so at this point i am sobbing i am crying my heart out i didn't even have a phone so sorry my mom walks nearby i took a mavin or the mavin went to my and then before i forget in the midst of this fighting this back and forth when he had the knife i was fighting him because i really loved my hair it was really long i loved it so in the midst of fighting he cut my arm and he didn't give a fuck about it like at all and i remember feeling like oh my god i just want to die in this moment you know remember he's doing this drunk so i really don't know if he was in his senses or not so anyway i go to my mom's workplace trying sobbing i remember um, i was trying to put myself together because i don't want like people nje wondering any nini banoms chana so i remember like talking to myself down when you get to mom's place you can cry over there mm-hmm. so i composed myself when told mom like everything that had happened immediately actually so her i just started crying <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. and she was like hey nini nini may happen and then so my dad follows because he obviously he knows where the job is and then he he tells her um tutawako hata tusumbua blah 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 and then he storms out of the workplace he leaves me crying and then i show my mom ona chini amenifanyia kwani mimi si mtoto wake kwani anipendi nini nini and this time my sister was in boarding school so she didn't see all this happening so uh, i cried to my mom and then my mom i remember her being so angry she left the workplace kwanza she took me to a nearby kinyozi so that because it was cutting you know with the knife and the agitation and it wasn't well done so i had to shave it all off i remember try in that baba show I cried jewels I was asking God yani out of all the people in this world you do you know when you pati kababa yangu and then I remember 
in high school, I remember there's this friend of mine who used to like talk about how perfect her father is. And then I'm like, guys, sitting as a could like only nanny nitly party. Why, you know, those kind of thoughts. So I was like, sad. I wanted, I just wanted to die, to be honest. But so we shave off my hair. Mom takes me to the hospital to get my arm checked because it was pretty deep. You could see, like, literally. He cut me real bad. So he took me to the hospital. My dad also works in medicine. So we went to the hospital. I got stitches. And then we went back to school. I think that first encounter is the part where I learned I will never, like, talk to my dad when he's, you know, drunk and angry just to avoid all this drama. So we go back to school. My did dad apologized. Apologize or did he wake up like nothing did I do to my daughter? Nothing. Nothing, Jules. Nothing. He did not apologize. He did not feel sorry. In his mind, he was like, this is the punishment that you're getting into date. I've never forgotten that day. And he is there to apologize. Nothing. I won't hold it against him because when you hold such things, he's living his life wherever he is right now. So... And so we went to school and then I remember the doctor who stitched me up, he told me, you have to come back after a week so that we can check it out. And then when I come out to try those stitches, I'm at a stitch dinner. Then my dad says, out of the hospital, we won't come back for you. You'll go to the clinic that was near school. So at this point, they don't get convinced that my dad loves me or anything. So I was just like fed up. I was just... I didn't I didn't have even a little bit of love towards him, you know. Lifi Kapo and then when he'd go home in Gekwatu, like Akingia, when he comes in the house, may I go to my room. And he comes in the house and then I think my sister noticed because she was like, Hey Kwani, what happened? I was just like Akuna, Nainakusoma. That used to be my excuse. So I think that's the worst memory I have for my childhood before I finished school. So we go on, I am done with high school, I get a C constant. Getting a C, my dad, you know, he's like this after this is... A C, like the grade? Yeah, this, the grade C. Uh, okay. After so, finishing form four? Form four, yeah. Mm. So he's like, he's not a patient person. He was like, So when if you're failure, he, he like talked out on me during my childhood. I don't know if he didn't know better, but, and let me not get into that, but I remember him being so disappointed and telling me, so how is he and a campus? How is he and a mahali na grade? But nyako, so we will just look for kitu ufanya, which I, I'm glad we did this because in my story, if I did go to campus, you know, right now, doing kikwa na Malaysia, and I am sure along the way with this alcoholism, he wouldn't be able to pay my fees. So, so I'm glad I actually ended up doing a short course. It was nice. I met some amazing people there who I'm still in contact with. So yeah, and I moved on with my life. After finishing uh, the short course, I remember there's a payment that he didn't make for school. At this time, we are done with school. We've graduated, but nearly to everyone graduates. I remember the school was so nice. I'm trying to graduate, but you won't be given your paper until you clear the whole balance. Mm. So I had some balance there in school. And I remember I couldn't get my license for, so that I could start working. So I remember talking to my dad. 
that by the way, that you are, or could clear fees. Now, Sizi put a license, meaning Sizi at a job. And then he'd, he'd always be like, we, Grace, we are looking for money. And what used to frustrate me so much, he'd always say, we're looking for money to pay for your balance. We're looking for money. He'd say, we're looking for money. Yet every single day, he'd come dead as drunk. He'd come at 2 a.m. I remember that there's a time he came with dents on his face because mm. he was fighting with who in the club. That really frustrated me. And I think at that time, I remember, I got into a depressed state. Not darkness, but I was just I was just low. I got bad eating habits. I gained a bunch of weight. I was just low. I didn't I didn't even care how I looked like. I remember my mother telling me, squeeze you you're a tomboy. But truth is I can say it was I was just frustrated with the fact that it just needed like a small amount for him to pay for me. At the time I'm seeing like all these people that I graduated with, they've gotten jobs, they've done this, they're doing A, B, C, D. My friends who are in campus, they're like taking great steps and then there's just me who is, you know, I'm not moving, I'm not doing anything. So I turned to the bad eating habits. I turned to sleeping till 2, uh, staying awake till 4 a.m., you know. It was really bad. I didn't think my father cared, to be honest. He just cared about his bottle. And yeah, there's nothing much I could do because I cannot control him. And at this point, I am like telling my mom, hey, mom, soon get the show set at least. And she's like, babe, I've tried my best. So fast forward, I have an amazing friend. So I open up to her and I remember crying and breaking down and she didn't say much because, you know, she's also a, like a 20-something-year-old. So there's nothing much that she can do, but she listened. And I just remember crying. And I'm not I'm not an emotional person as much because from the experiences that I've had with my dad, you know, the abuse, the throwing of names here and there, I coped by numbing my feelings and, you know, tuning everything out. And I forget things pretty quickly. I think it's because of that. So I don't keep anything at heart, to be honest. So I remember crying to this friend, of which she was also surprised. She was like, hey, this time Grace is crying. She must be really hurting. So I remember her even coming to see me the following day. She encouraged me and I thank God for her. So we talked it through and then she was like, okay, there's a way I can help you. My mom has a bakery and I heard her saying she needs someone to work there. So are you up for it? I say, yes, sure. I'd love to. I hate sitting at home all day doing nothing. When I tell my dad, he does nothing about it. So she was like, okay, I'll talk to my mom and then I'll get back to you. So luckily, the mom calls me in. She says she'll offer me this job. I'm so excited. I ran to my mom with the good news and she was happy for me. So the task was telling my dad, my dad is actually a very difficult man. So I tell my dad and he was like, no, how windy. And I'm like, why not? And then he's like, it's not what you studied, it's way beneath you, da-da-da-da. And then I tell him, but you're not paying for my fees. Do you want me just to stay at home and... I remember making a joke to this friend of mine. I told her, squeeze because there's nothing else to do. nothing to do. And my, well, I remember being so disappointed at my dad because... I've taken the initiative to look for a job and with no good result. What I did, I remember, I talked to my mom. The job was in 
it was quite far from where we're living. So having to commute and the fare and everything, it was a lot. So I decided I took my things and went to my aunt's place, my dad's sister. That way he'd be more secure that I'm in a good place and I'm okay. So I just took my things, went to my aunt's place and sent him a text. Told him, Niko kwa auntie Swenso, you just know I'm fine, but I'm taking the job regardless. So he fought it at first, but there's nothing much I can do because at this time, I'm over 18 and my mom, I think my mom also talked to him. So he chilled out. So yeah, I started that job. It was nice. At least I was starting to get some money, you know, taking care of myself. And then I remember being so excited every single day because, you know, the feeling where you've been at home doing nothing and then you get something to do. I just felt amazing. Actually, I think my skin started glowing because I nearly got in with one more scene. <laughs> so, yeah, so I remember being so excited. So one day, I get a phone call. I'm in a night shift. It's a big bakery. One day when I'm working my shift, I get a phone call from my, I think it was my neighbor. And she tells me, Sasa Ali, Zukwabi. And then I was like, Niko busy. I'll call you back in a minute. And she tells me, no, 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 no. This is an emergency. And then I'm like, what's the emergency? Mama, so I'm going on a guy. I remember my heart froze. My heart dropped. So I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Mama, I'm going on a guy. Is she okay? And she's like, to can I up hospitality, but she's losing a lot of blood. So you remember the job, it was like, So it was like, I'll make sure to be there first thing in the morning. So this neighbor, she was so gracious. She had my mom's phone. She was with her during the whole thing. I remember she'd update me to me to mend up. So it gave me some peace knowing that she was being well taken care of. So the neighbor tells me, I've called your mom's sister, I've called your mom's dad, everyone in the family except your dad. Where is your dad? I try calling my dad. So we tried calling him, his number is not going through, and it did go through, no answer. We called him the whole night, Jules. I remember my mom's accident happened. The neighbor told me it happened at around 8, I was called at around 9 p.m. We called my dad from your 8, Alikwana Vatikan at 2 a.m. Hayuko home. I remember at this time, my sister is supposed to be joining high school for one. So my sister is at home alone, wondering, Mom, how happy? Where's even dad? Because she doesn't know. So I think she, Alichoka, and she went to sleep. So we look for dad, we look for dad. Alipatikana sasa at 2 a.m. And then we are telling him, you know, your wife got involved in an accident. And he was like, you know, at this point, people are so agitated. We are, where the fuck have you been, you know? The one who is supposed to be giving us these updates, but you're nowhere to be found. So, he he responded, <laughs> my God, I remember his response was, nilikuwa na charge simu, nilikuwa ni charge kwa mfuko. That's what he told us. And at the time, my mom is somewhere in an ambulance, and then I atuambia ujinga kaeo. It was so heartbreaking. But anyway, so luckily mom goes to to a hospital. Her leg is a makeup plaster and everything. They go back home. So when we get back home, actually forgot to mention, this whole period, my dad is drinking till 2 a.m. He's supposed to be having work at 7. So there are times he'd not go to work at all. 
or he'd go to work like super late. So obviously, at a become an employer, you'd get fed up, right? So he ends up losing like his job that is his mainstream of income, right? But he had some businesses on the side. So upon losing this job that he had, that's when I can say he started drinking way more because first of all, he has a lot of free time on his hands. And then the businesses that I'm telling you about, he was like, you're going to be a share thing. I kind of so will be just fine. So he got super comfortable. And then at least what I loved about this first job, it gave him discipline because he knows you're supposed to be here from eight to five. When he lost that, everything, you know, just went downhill. So at this point, he's lost his job. He's drinking way too much. I think he was depressed. I don't know. It was never diagnosed, but he got depressed that he lost his job. So he was just drinking like way more. He'd carry alcohol at home, like shamelessly, even in front of my small sister, which my mom called him out on like a lot of times. This is not right. And then he's like, that used to be his excuse. That will break my heart every time because, you know, my sister, she's just a bit, to be honest. Mm. Uh, the accident happens. We are looking for my dad. He's nowhere to be found. At 2 a.m. He went at home directly. And then sister, the lady that was with my neighbor, the one that was with my mom, they go back home at around 3-ish. And then, you know, my dad at this point... A lot of the family members, because I'm and after I kill too. So at this point, I'm a Kasijika, because and you know what kind of husband are you, baby? But accident to Patikani. So at this point, he's so angry, and I don't know who he is angry at, because to be honest, me Patikana. So I remember when they got home with this this neighbor, the lady told us that my dad was so angry at her that. She took care of mom. And Aki, I cannot tell the whole story because I wasn't there. But his reaction was he wanted to physically assault this lady that had brought mom from hospital. And then we lived in flats. So like a lot of noise around the building. So other neighbors came in and then settled down the situation. I remember that day mom refused to stay at home with the husband. She took my sister and they went to the neighbor's house and spent the night there. So my dad was like so agitated and everything else. And then at this point, I've told you my dad is drinking way too much, you know. And at this point, he even stopped uh, taking care of us. He neglected us physically, emotionally, the bills. He didn't pay no bills. At this point, uh, to on our rent, we had some, we had the eviction notice. He had he hadn't paid rent for like around three months. So for the landlord, you know what happens is if you don't pay rent, one akata steamer and amaji. So at this point, all this fighting is happening in the darkness. <laughs> so they take my sister, they go. So my dad spends the nights like alone, in the, dark. in the dark, yeah, in the dark with candles. <laughs> so yeah, they go and then, you know, it was just hectic. So as we rush the following day with their rest of the family, oh, what happened to our mom, you know, all concerned and everything. We get there and we find my mom, oh my God, my heart broken. I saw her. She lost teeth due to the accident. She had like a lot of bruises on her face. Her leg was like this big. It was so swollen. And my dad couldn't give the slightest fuck, to be honest. He was just, he was sitting there and he was like, we are we looking at charge? He stuck with that story. 
from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. His phone was charging. So what do we say? So like my mom's family really come for him and tell him you did wrong. And the neighbor who he asked, tried to assault the previous night, she talked about it in front of the family, in front of everyone and said, Mr. Will did ABCD and I want you just to know this, what kind of man you want to leave your daughter with right now. So the family calls out my dad, obviously, but he says that the lady agitated him. He, he tries to make the the lady take the blame, but it didn't make sense. So the family was like, okay, since you're the husband, he apologized to the lady for his reaction. So the family, at the end of the day, they said, Mr. Will, you said you're sorry. We will trust you with your daughter this time, but if you don't take care of her, we will come for her. At this point, I remember I called my boss uh, and told him I won't be able to come to work for the next week or two. I'll just be looking after my mom because at the time, priority for my mom to get better. Yeah? So see, we take care of mom. I remember life being so hard. We used to buy water and then we're getting visitors like all the time. All the time we'd get visitors and then they'd be like, and then it was it was like tearing to keep on explaining. But obviously we can't tell them that our dad has an alcohol problem to a point he cannot pay bills. So we just used to lie, you know, or something like that, you know. And then they'd be like, okay, but the visitors that came from time to time, they eventually knew what was going on. So the only thing they can tell you at this point is, ah, tutaomba, you know, <laughs> the Kenyan solution, tutaomba, which we do pray for him to get better every single day. So yeah, that happened. I stay taking care of mom. So during this one week that I've taken my off, I had some money that I had saved up from this job that I had. So my dad, he is doing the very least. He had a laboratory. He had a business. But he's not going to work. My mom is sick. But he'd come home at 3 a.m. I remember that there's a time also he came with dance as well. And like, serious. But he's the type of man who does not want to be questioned. He does not want to be held accountable. So when you question him, he's strong to anger. So he'd beat you. So me. I question or anything. I just you do what you want to do, but don't touch my mom or my sister. So I remember him not taking care of mom, like at all, even food, jewels. I'm telling you, I had some money. Like the little food we'd have, I'd use my savings and I'd pay for food and whatever. I remember there's also this time, some people came to our house at Yalikwa Mekop alone. He had... He had taken his loan and, yeah, the people came to our house to collect it. They were ready to carry some essential things from the house. And then my dad was like, Hamoni, he, so at that point, he's using my mom as an excuse. You know, these people wanted to maybe take the couch or the TV to pay their debt. But he said, using my mom became an excuse, you know. So I remember I had to pay this loan for him and it wasn't cheap. Imagine at 20 something year old. So I ended up paying this loan for him and then he was like, Itakulipa, nini nini, like all these promises, you know. And at the same time, the same time he's remember he's not paying nothing. 
He's not bringing food to the table. So where is he getting money to drink? We asked him that. I remember my mom asking him that and he'd say Nabaiwa. That was always his response. Nanunuliwa. Every day, Jules. Ata mama limuliza, unanunuliwa pombe kila siku. Anyo anakunuliwa pombe kila siku. But that will be his excuse. And if you question him, you know, he's angry, he'll beat you up. But anyway, so I thank God at the time I was stable financially. So I I took care of my family for my entire life. It got to a point I was like, hey, so I talked to my auntie and I cried and I told her, eh, that doesn't give a fuck about the family. He's always drinking. I, I can give you a funny story. Not funny. It's actually sad. So I remember my mom when she's sick, just to show you how my dad didn't care like at all. So my mom is like sick in bed, you know, with the bandage and the plaster and the bruises all over. So my dad is like, he comes in at around 4 a.m., so drunk. And then my mom needs help, you know, because she cannot move mm-hmm. to the other side. She can't turn. So she asks him, Will, can you help? Can you kindly help me to turn? Hold my leg for me so that I can turn on the other side. I can sleep more comfortably. And Will was like, So my mom has to call me from my phone. Me and my sister to come and help her turn to the side so that she can sleep more comfortably. I resented my dad. I resented my dad. Even like taking a shower or anything. My sister and I did all that. I remember I resented my dad for that. I had a lot of anger towards him. I was just like, go to And then we can leave you with your alcohol. Because in the point, we were telling him, imagine stop this alcohol. You've lost your job. Your businesses are dying. Only the main factor that is leading up to all these things is the alcohol. And then, like I've said, he didn't want to take advice from anyone. Then when you talk to him, he'd be agitated and, you know, he'd be physically abusive. So it got to a point where you were just like, I'm done. I'm so done. Were there moments where you would see your dad and he was lucid, like he wasn't drunk or he was always drunk? Was it the kind of alcoholic where he's only drunk in the evenings or at night? Then in the morning, you can maybe have a word with him. Or he was just constantly drunk. He was constantly drunk. Even in the morning. Because it come with, you know, this quarter. Is mm. it easy to quarter? Is it got the small crumbs? Then he, mm. it come with them at home. So, and then he'd put them like under his bed. So when he wakes up, maybe visits the washroom, he goes for a glass. Was his chrome. And then when he comes to the living room, he's gone. He's already drunk. Yeah, he's already drunk. Wow. Yeah, so... This all, this all happens, like, in my childhood, it was okay, but this all happens, like, shortly after COVID, he becomes, like, more, more. day and night, yeah, all the time. So, yeah, he was always drunk, always, always. It was so heartbreaking and tiresome. Was there a time in your childhood or even, like, in your life that you remember him not drinking? No. 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 Of which at a mama, Liniambia, when they met, they used to, you know, go to Mogivi, you know. But it wasn't as bad because he'd drink only like after or during the weekends. So when we moved to where we were living in Nairobi, he got some friends that were not so good when you were like on Ampigasimo every day after work. And then you just see him. If it's during the weekend, he'd say, I say when he's off, he's at home during the day. And then he'd get a phone call. Hey, to call 
apenda hapa si utokee you just see him like jolting so i think he changed he changed mainly because of friends at the beginning and then it just got bad right. just got bad yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i can say he at this point that i'm telling you he was never sober after getting drunk at the bar he by yeah subui and then when he's drunk at home he kisha on end anje narudi mali ametoka yeah that's what driving or walking no no walking didn't have a car so uh first one it lifika point me i had to go back to work cuz my savings zimesha uh there's no one else taking care of the family and then at this point my sister is the primary caregiver to mom and she calls me sometimes yeah and this nimechoka dad is still coming in at this time so what do we do and then i just felt like i could not i could not take it anymore so i called my auntie that's my mom's sister and i told her what has been going on obviously they knew cuz they know my dad he's a drunk so they decided that they will come for her and i really thank god for family you know they came through they came for mom and then at this point i am calling my aunt i was so frustrated because as i said alia dad is not paying the bills me i cannot manage to be paying rent and with my small money you know so i remember calling my aunt and she was like i remember to look at my eviction notice and i remember that landlord he was so kind to us he was like take your time but i need you to you know find somewhere else to live i am closing this house by saturday so i i was just thinking at this point i have moved out from my aunt's place but i live in a small house so i'm just wondering where will my mom live she's sick she cannot survive in this space that i am so i called my auntie like with a lot of heaviness in my heart and i'm just like i can't take i cannot do this anymore so how can you help me and she was like usi jali your family tutamkuja and then we will know what to do so they come for my mom and my mom goes to she ends up living with my with my aunt her sister and the husband they were so nice and every day i pray for god's blessings to follow them mm-hmm. wherever they go to because wow they really came through so at least at that point i felt like a burden had been lifted off my shoulders because i knew sasa for a fact mom was eating well my sister was they were doing well so at this point jules i am just so tired with my dad his behavior i didn't even care if he was eating or not so sisi to come watch her and then we he was left at the house by himself yeah yeah no one even told him when we were leaving so see he came and then he's like you know we carried a few things you know when you move mom was thinking in case me pone sasani kipona i'd want to start my own life because there's no way i'm going back to this marriage mm. so we carried a few things the bed tv the one to one two things the basic things for you know starting life viombo here and there so that comes back in the afternoon no he went back in the evening cuz i remember his phone call he comes and finds like the house kuna vitwa kuna because the tv is not there the bed is not there abcd is not there so he, i remember he him calling me so angry like vitu zangu ziko happy you know i'm the one who bought all these things you had no right da, 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 da. and i told him talk to mom and i hung up the phone i was just so tired and i couldn't have that conversation with him anymore so uh, i don't think he got the balls to call my mom because my mom told me he never contacted her because i know for a fact he knew what he was doing was wrong right so he never contacted my mom we moved on with our lives pretty nicely at this point our house ilifungwa remember the landlord was so nice he told my dad he can 
get his things out and he can find some other place to live. So my dad ends up, I don't know even where he got the money because there's nothing he did for us. So he got some other apartment, went to live there for a while. And then we'd get phone calls that he's not paying rent. When they told they could leave a rent or we go for the other things. Me, at this point, I was just like, I'm not taking these calls anymore. There's a time I'd see a new number. I wouldn't pick it up because I know it's the drama and I didn't want to deal with it like at all. So because at the place where we lived, we had known a lot of people in the area. So we'd get phone calls, especially my mom. <laughs> She'd get phone calls like, Tumiwana Msewako in a particular place, Hayuko Vizuri, he's not doing well, he's always drunk. You'd think when we asked living, he'd get to his senses and get his shit together. Mm. But the alcoholism continued. It continued snowballing. It became this huge thing. I, I think that there's a time to lalanje or something. It was so bad. But at this point, it shows me, I don't know, I was just tired. I did, I did not care like at all. So that happens. Um, my mom was like concerned, you know, because she's been with this man for over 20 years and he's the father of her children. So she was like, and then I'd be like, hey, focus on your healing Kwanzaa. I was just so angry, I think. But uh, with time, I've gotten to, you know, let go of that anger. But before I got there, uh, I remember dad is living off on his own. This apartment that he rents, he's unable to get us to the needs for it, for the rent, for whatever, for steamer, whatever. So he ends up being evicted again. So what does he do? He goes to Ushago, to his parents' house. Well, in up country. So, you know, at least there, I can say this for a fact. When he, when he moved to up country, I felt like a little bit safe because one, I knew where he was and I knew that he was eating well. Because, mm. you know, as much as I, you know, I didn't care, there's that a small bit that... He's still your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So when he moved to up country, or not before that, I remember the time we were taking my sister to school and then we met up. He just came. He didn't tell anyone she was coming. I remember seeing him. And my, at this point, we had moved away from him for like a good four months or five. So I remember seeing him for like the first time in five months or four. And my heart broke. Ooh. He had lost a bunch of weight. First of all, and then he was like so dark. It was like way darker. His hair was like undone and kept. And then he looked like he had an afro. And he's the guys that are always bald, you know. So at this point, you're just looking at this one and you're wondering, what the fuck happened, you know? So he looked like so unkept. His clothes were like, he's lost a lot of weight and he cannot buy new clothes. So his clothes are like just so, so big. They don't fit him anymore. His belt is hanging. I remember feeling like so sad for this man. I was just like, surely. Especially because he was a professional. Yeah. As we said in the medical field. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes me just realize how alcoholism is not a choice. You know, it's mm -mm. a disease. Mm -mm. And it's such a a disease that you know, it holds on to you. Yeah. You know, it takes so much for him to get out of it. I even wonder what... What what pain is he running away from? What what pain is he soothing with um, yeah. with the with the drinking, which now unfortunately has become an addiction. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so for in terms of the pain, I think when he lost his job, I think that is what like, you know, took him like to that place. And I think losing this job, he also like, because I think most of his friends were like around the job or something like that. So he lost a lot of friends as well. So I think that he felt like he didn't have anyone else to talk to. He felt like he was all alone and the only constant that was in his life was the alcohol. So that's why he turned to it. Yeah. And it became so bad. Yeah. Seeing him in my sister's school, it was just so heartbreaking. I felt sad for him. I was just like, draw. It was just, it was just sad. And my heart was heavy. I remember even like the journey back with my mom, she was like, and then I'm like, we've tried talking rehab into him, attacking. He does not want rehab. He does not want professional help. He does not believe in therapy. There's nothing much you can do at this point. So at this point, I remember when I saw him, I called my grandparents and my dad's parents, yeah, and told them, me, I'm calling you because I'm concerned about my dad. We no longer live with him. He is all alone in wherever he is. So my humble request is maybe one of you could come and maybe look after him and maybe you can take him with you until he gets stable a little bit and then he can come back, maybe start his businesses again or something like that. And then he was... (laughs) I also resented my grandparents at the time because you know what they told me? I was just tired. I was just tired to be honest with that response. I was just like, and then Jumia at this point, I cannot like, I cannot be there for him like all the time. I also have my life, you know. I remember just being angry at the response and telling my mom, venting about it. And then she was like, ah. Wow, your dad will know what to do. He's a big boy after all. So my dad eventually ends up being evicted uh, in the apartment that she was living, moves to upcountry. When he lives in upcountry, right? so he starts working with the grandparents. And every time we, because we do phone calls, I cannot say that I cut him off like completely. You can't do that, especially in the African construct. You cannot cut off a parent. It's impossible. So we'd have a few conversations here and there, like, how you, how have you been? And then he was like, I'm okay, I'm just doing farming nowadays. I've started keeping chicken and whatever. So at the back of my head, I'm like, wow, at least he's doing something and he's doing amazing and he's being looked after because the state that I saw him last was not good. So yeah, he stays with my grandparents for a minute in Ushago. And then finally he gets the money from his former job, they have this plan whereby they pay you a few years later after you leave the company. So he gets some money and he's like, okay, I will get, you know, I will come back to Nairobi, put my business in order, you know, get my life back together. I want my family back together, you know, and everything that, you know, that he had so many plans. So he comes to Nairobi talking about how he's changed, you know, how he was forecasting while in a country, saying that he's had a lot of time to think about his life and his family and how this alcohol has impacted his journey in this life. So at this point, at least, he is starting to recognize that this alcohol has done a lot of harm 
towards me, myself and my family. So at least that's a plus. So he recognizes that he is way behind from where he'd be if he was sober. And he tells us how he's planning to change. And we bring up rehab again because you have the money. Maybe you can go get some professional help. And, you know, we can't start from there. But he does not want rehab like at all. He told me that he has a friend who went to rehab. And when he got out, the alcoholism became worse. And whenever he'd go back to rehab, in and out, in and out, it just became bad until the friend died. So he took that story with him. And that is his reason for not wanting rehab, right? So we tell him, you do not cloud the, the idea because of that one bad experience. But he's like, you know, know me, I'm just speaking from what I've seen. Again, you cannot change mm. a man's way of thinking. So just let him be. So right now... He's here back with all these promises, saying how he wants his family back together and how he has a plan to put up his businesses and he'll be everything will be up and running sooner rather than later. So that's how we add. And me at this time I'm just like, me I will not care like that much about him because as long as you're not taking the steps of getting better. Tarudi too the same cycle. Is he still drinking? Obviously, yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. Because I remember the first time we met when he came, when he came to Nairobi, we met at a pub. And I, I remember being so disappointed. I was talking to a friend of mine. We are pretty close right now. And then I was just like, Drew, he can do better. Like, we don't leave you because of your drinking problem. And then the first time we're interacting after a long time, you're bringing us to a pub. Be serious. Mm. I remember being so disappointed. And then he drinks in front of me, in front of my sister. That's about it. But I just learned that I... Okay, sit on Wachilia, because at the end of the day, he's my dad. And I have love for him. But I decided, the period when he was in upcountry, I had never been happier, because I knew he was safe. I could go on with my life, with navigating, you know, adulthood and everything. I remember feeling, like, so happy that I don't have to think about him all the time, you know. Worry. Yeah, and worry. And, you know, has he eaten? Is... Because he used to get in a lot of fights, you know. Is he okay? You know, I remember there's this one time at Alipotea, he got lost for like four days and we had to like file a police report. The only to hear that at Simuli and he was like blacked out somewhere. The time he was in a country, I decided that is the relationship that we'll have. You know, I love you, but at a distance, me, I won't want all this. Whoa interaction with you because it will it just causes me a lot of stress and who wants stress you know mm. yeah yeah have you gotten to a place in your life where you had said you you feel like you've forgiven him but do you think it's possible for you to forgive somebody who is still active in the addiction or in the issue that has caused you so much despair yes I feel like the period when he was in upcountry, I remember talking to a friend of mine and she was like, babe, you cannot hold on to this hunger like all the time. It's only hurting you. I have a habit of listening to podcasts about healing and everything. So I just say I can thank God that I developed healthy coping mechanisms that I just learned to forgive him. I don't know how I did it, mm -hmm. to be honest, but I learned to forgive him. And then I also did my research that you know, the alcoholism is a disease. He tries, maybe he tries to get out of it and he does not know 
how to. I just learned there's nothing I can do. I didn't cause it. I can't cure it. And I can't control it either. What I can control is, you know, I can take care of myself by communicating my feelings, of which I always do. I tell him that, you know, when he's sober, the few minutes is, because he can be sober for like, you know, that period I tell you he's sober, he's like for like 10 minutes before he's drunk. When he's sober, I'm like, I have had conversations with him and I've told him, Dad, surely, when he like, it has taken like a really bad turn. And he'd be like, Najua, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. So on the, in that period, that's 10 minutes that you get to talk to him, you can you can see it from his eyes. Because he, he'll tell you, Aki, mom. He calls me mom. Mm. Aki, mom, Najaribu. I know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a glimpse of hope, it also gives me some healing. Because I can see maybe he's trying, but then again, he does not want professional help. So I left stuck. But I realized that as long as I'm communicating my, fe- my feelings to him, as long as I take care of myself and my mom and my sister are good, mm-hmm. that's all that matters to me. How has that situation affected your life? Because we've spoken about, you know, the scenarios. Okay. But how has it affected you as Grace and how you move around the world, maybe even your interpersonal relationships with other people, work relationships? How has it affected your life and who you are? I can say the relationship... With this alcoholism, it just gave me a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of resentment. My relationships were dysfunctional. You know, I'm at the age I want to date and, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust a man, especially with my dad being strict and everything. I wouldn't let anyone close. You know, I'm not that vulnerable. So I have dysfunctional, intimate relationships. I also have a difficulty in communicating because, you know, you're trying to communicate to someone who won't hear it, you know. So it has affected me in a great way, to say the least. But every day I'm trying to be the better person, to be the best version of myself that I can. And I've also just realized that this is my life. I will not center it towards his struggles. That is his life. At the end of the day, he has lived his life right now. Nowadays, I've turned to block out the noise and the stress and everything because sometimes my mom can be calling me and telling me and then I'm like ah atapatikana and then she's like you you don't even care <laughs> so I'm like mommy I care I've had enough with this drama you know but I, I am learning healthy ways of communicating with I have a friend who I talk to and that really helps I am also a talker to my close friends I'm a talker, and whenever I talk to them, I feel lighter. And yeah, it just helps me. How is your mom doing today? Amazing. She healed completely. She has a job as well. My sister joined school because my dad, she was supposed to join for one, the period that the accident happened. So we are good. We are good right now. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Grace, for sharing your story. Any last words? Anything you want to tell to people who you think might be in the same situation as you, maybe having an alcoholic parent or even an alcoholic partner? So I'd like for you first to recognize that you are not the cause of this. You cannot cure it and you can't control it. Because at the end of the day, it's this person's decision to move forward, to cure, to control 
and you know to take a step so don't be so hard on yourself because of this one person right and also don't feel obligated to bend backwards for this person that at the end of the day you'll be feeling like you're filling and filling your cup while this person doesn't give a shit which will make you end up feeling you know empty mm-hmm. yeah so just recognize that you can't cure this it is not your fault take care of yourself and your well-being if you you out there have kids take care of your kids and your siblings also check up on your friends you know mm. yeah your friends could be fighting in a battles that you don't know just be there for support and that goes a long way i'd also advise someone to extend grace because for me as much as my father has caused me a lot of pain despair and everything terrible that in my life there's no time i'll see his phone call and not pick it so i try to maybe extend some grace be understanding as much as sometimes that is so hard you know just you know listen to them maybe as we pray that they get to a point where they they'll change their life will turn around and want to be better yeah yeah well i wish you guys all the best and thank you so much for sharing your story i really really hope that your dad is able to come out on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. I think deep down he knows that this is a big issue because he can see how his life has fallen apart. Yeah. But the fact that he's still unable to put down the bottle should be testament to what alcoholism truly is. Yeah. It's it's a disease that willpower alone might not be enough mm-hmm. to get you out of it. So even for the family members who are observing this, they might have so much anger. How comes you don't want to do anything, you know, Especially the older generation who don't have that uh, connection to support, eh? at therapy or, 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 or going to rehab. They, they don't have, as our generation, we are more open to it. It's so much harder for them, to, especially the men, to accept help. They might know they have a problem, but they think their willpower can do it alone, you know. Yeah, because actually when we were talking to him about the rehab and getting professional help, he was like, I can't do this by my own, you know. What he'd say he'd do is, mean what i can do is i'll reduce you know there's no reduction reduce it with an alcoholic yeah you have to stop completely and you can't say i'll only drink on new year on my birthday you have to completely become a teetotaler you don't drink alcohol because you don't have that thing to say after two beers i'm done after two glasses of wine i'm done you Mm. just keep going you drink the whole bottle and another three bottles that's why it's a disease you know and that's why it's an addiction there's nothing like reduction unfortunately but it's hard for people in that space to see yeah because I have also experienced that um, with people who are close to me and I have seen it Mm -hmm. and there's no reduction it's actually something you just have to completely change and stay away from so I really hope your dad comes to the other side of this I pray that he is completely healed and healthy and able to come back and restore himself and his family yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review and consider supporting us via our till number or PayPal. All the details are in the show notes of this episode and on our Instagram page bio at so this is love underscore podcast. Your contribution will help us keep going. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, you can also reach out to us via direct message on our Instagram page. This is Jules. See you next time.